It's time for part two with our chat with Denver Matchett. He looks after the PR and he is the flagman at Speedway Miramichi as we continue to review the year in racing of 2020 at Speedway Miramichi. This is Drive On. You can check it out on Spotify and Google Podcasts and check out our Facebook page, Drive On Media. Let's talk about, um, of course, the demo uh, division at Speedway Miramichi. Uh, Mitch Brito, the points winner this year, he had, uh, let's see, um, it looks like uh, according to the stats here, um, he basically gained his points through the preliminary races. The way that the demo points end up working out, we have typically four to five preliminary races per event, and they pay five points to win. The final demo only pays eight points to win. Gotcha. So to, historically, to win the demolition championship, you have to perform in the preliminary races. Mm-hmm. And Mitch Brito certainly did that, especially in the latter half of the season. I remember two races in, and I mean, I think I was talking to you earlier. We had in 2018, in the entire season, I think we had 52 entries. 2019, the entire season, we had 54 entries. In 2020, just in the points races, and I mean, we had two events that didn't count for points, but just in the points races, we had 110 or 112 unique entries. So that's drivers that like registered a current number. Some of them showed up at multiple events, but 110 unique entries. Unreal. So two races in, I think we had the top 20 in points for the demo were separated by 10 points. And if you do some quick math, if we do five preliminary races at five points each is 25, mm-hmm. you get five points for showing up, it's 30, and then eight points to win. You can make up up to 38 points in a race. Wow. So 10 points is nothing. Yeah. But in the September event where we had a modern era record of 67 cars, Mitch just smoked the field. Yeah. I think he won every single preliminary race and was second in the final demo. And it was just an incredible point. Say it gave, gave him a a lead that was comfortable enough that he uh, really just had to show up in October and, and run a couple of races, but he did more than that. He, I think he won the dash for cash again and, and got another podium. So yeah. he really emerged in the latter half of the season as the elite driver this year, um, similar to what Kevin Tucker did in 2019, just absolutely dominated. But this year there was so much competition, any race, you know, it, it, with that many cars on the track, yeah. you know, it, it in anything one, can happen anything can happen in september if he maybe uh misjudged a turn and got smoked by another car in the dash for cash we could be talking about you know a dawson Cripps or a sam jardine championship yeah, so exactly it's really there's so much with the demolition people out there to try to wreck each other so yeah. you really have to uh be careful if you're running for points yeah definitely uh sam jardine uh, uh always a threat in the um powder puff Absolutely. Um, the powder puff this year was really a battle between Sam and Amber Sickles. Race in, race out, they they fought it out. And Amber ended up missing a couple of races. In the end, the final score was Sam had four wins, Amber had two. Um, but I really think we only had one or two races where they got to battle because it was one race that Amber won that Sam had a transmission let go. And one of the races that Amber or Sam won, Amber had I think same thing transmission let go so we didn't really get to see those battles but we did get to see some new stars emerging in the powder puff um the first one that comes to mind is Georgia Eastie and I don't know I think she's only 17 or 18 herself but she almost 
beat Sam one night. She was leading at the white flag lap at one of them and, and almost won. Um, and then Monique Benoit, that's uh, TT Bass' mother, always in, always a threat to win. Um, and we're going to see, I think, even more as the powder puff continues to grow. Mm-hmm. A couple years ago, I think the first powder puff race I flagged, there was two cars and it was three laps. I think this year we had 24 or 26 yeah. a couple of times. So it's yeah. really to see the, the interest from the ladies is phenomenal. And that's something that we're hoping to build on next year. You know, I'm not sure exactly what we're going to do yet. Um, there's been discussions, but uh, you know, we want to put the powder puff race in the spotlight even more. Yes. And uh, I know one of the things we were talking about is if you get a top three, you have to start at the back. So, aha, uh-huh, yes, okay. You put Sam Jardine and Amber Sickles at the back, yeah. and, and you know we're probably going to extend a couple laps. Um, and in a race like that, you can afford to do it because they're not out there wrecking each other. No, for the out, most part, they're they're out there to race. They're out there to race. So if we yeah. extended a couple laps and give them more time, it's going to make for an awesome show to see if just how well they can come through the field. And, and nothing is for certain yet, but we definitely want to keep building on that success mm-hmm. of the Powder Puff. Sure. Let me let me be the devil's advocate here. Uh, Sam Jardine, uh, you know, Sam Jardine and, and Amber Sickles. Uh, you know, Amber's father, Chris, no stranger to uh, racing. What's the chances of them moving up to the bomber division? I can see that happening. I know Amber had a couple years ago looked into possibly a mini stock or something. They would they could probably win. Yep. They could easily go out there and compete with you know everyone in the bomber class so that would be uh really entertaining it'd be a lot of fun that would really add to an already stacked field and you know they wouldn't be alone out there sam flieger or, or sorry sam blakely yes she uh she won a couple heat races this year shared her car with her husband yeah but i believe they're each going to have their own car next year so yeah. uh it, that would be epic to see them out there in the bomber races yes uh i had to catch myself different times on the on the mic this year with uh uh, Sam uh, Blakely, and, and not only that, I, I think I said she was racing when Timmy was actually racing uh, this year. They they swapped, and uh, I didn't realize it. But uh, uh, anything else about the uh, demolition that you wanted to uh, bring up? Well, the one thing that I noticed is the the incredible growth among youth. Um, I believe of our top twenty in points, eleven of those are under the age of twenty five. So to have that, and it, I mean, that's not just in the demolition division. We're talking all of the classes at Speedway Miramichi are seeing yeah. a youth movement. Like, um, But with the demolition particularly, that is huge. That is a whole new generation. And we're talking, some of these kids are still in high school. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure my mother would have killed me if I came home and said, I'm driving in a demo this weekend <laughs> when I was in high school. She probably still would. But it, like to see all of these young kids, that's huge for the track. And I know... You know, on the Facebook and Instagram pages that we have, um, particularly Facebook, up until this year, our, our major demographic was 45 to 55. And this year, almost after the way this year transpired, and there's so many kids get involved, and particularly because there's nothing else for them to do this summer. Right. Um, it grew so much that our major demographic is now under the age of 35. And that is the next generation. That's what racing needs. And that's what you see even NASCAR fighting. They want to get more kids involved. And and what we did this summer at Speedway Miramichi, we saw those kids getting involved. And that is what you need. That is the future. Mm -hmm. And like they're all telling their friends and all their friends are getting involved, which makes it even better. And that's why we've seen, 
a big part of why we've seen so much growth this year, particularly in the demolition division. But they're you know spreading into the bomber division too. There's a yeah. lot of kids in the bomber class. Yeah, I, I'm just gonna just for the sake of argument here and and bit of discussion. Uh, and I know I've mentioned this to you before, but we've had the large, you know, this summer we had the large field of demo cars and, you know, and like you said, 50, 60 cars out on the track at one time. So if you have to me, I, well, I know dash for cash, everybody wants to win the big, you know, win the big, uh, pot of money, but you know, you could almost break it down into three heats. And then, you know, that, that not, not only does it uh, give other people the opportunity to win like a heat race, but it's sure, sure is a heck a lot easier on the scores. That uh, is definitely true. Yeah. Um, it, it, you know, there's pros and cons. Um, it's something that has been discussed before. Um, at the end of the day, you know, we want to put on the best show possible. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, is that breaking it up is that putting them all in at once it probably depends on who you ask yeah um it really would depend on who you ask i know the sight of having 50 to 60 cars lined up three wide all the way around the track is something you know pretty unique um is it the best way to do it maybe maybe not i have no idea how they scored it this year i'm always radioing you know i have no idea who the leader is i I, you can't follow it i know yourself trying to announce it's like I have no idea who the leader is <laughs> within half a lap. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's something to look at. Yeah. I mean, we're not always going to see 60 some cars. No. Um, but if when we do see those, you know, it, it could be something to look at. Um, I, I think for the most part, you know, if you have 30 to 40, it's still that's more manageable. Um, I mean, when you go from scoring 60 cars, all of a sudden 30 cars doesn't look like a lot when that used to feel like. A, a huge lot. field so yeah. Uh, yeah there's a lot of things to look at though and uh, you know it's it's all about the show at the end of the day and we want to yeah. put on the best show possible and, and you know whatever that works out being we're willing to try pretty well everything and <laughs> uh, one of those things we talk about the show that we're looking at and you know i mentioned to you earlier i'm a little bored this winter there's not as much going on <laughs> um I'm, I'm doing research i come across trailer races and i think you shared a similar video and, and described it as this is what beta vins <laughs> road looks like on the long weekend but uh we're i you know i said to bear we have to do this and it's something different and we want something for the fans and you know we're gonna hook trailers up to some of the demo cars and send them through the figure eight and, and see how that goes and <laughs> it's going to be chaos it's going to be a lot of destruction but you know if we want to give the fans something different and put people in the stands and that's what it's all about that's what uh, keeps the place going i was uh what was it uh, this year uh backup race and i think was it it took like three attempts before we could even get a lap in Yes, it took three attempts before we could get a lap in, and then we got two laps in, and we rolled a van. Um, the longest backup race in history, I think, from start to finish, it was about forty-five minutes long, and mm. this is an eight-lap race, <laughs> so that was not very productive. No, um, that was you know probably should have just called it off, but you know fans <laughs> said that it was great and they loved it. So, I and I remember saying because I think the the powder puff was before that, and. I, I'm starting to get annoyed. <laughs> I said right on the on the microphone. It's like, okay, let's get rid of these 
you know, these guys bring the ladies back out and then let them show them how to uh, how to do this. And the, the crowd just went nuts. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, that was a, that was great. We love your <laughs> your sarcasm and your humor. That's what makes you know, that's what makes the shows. But uh, yeah, that was, you know, a rarity. I don't think the rest of the backup races this year, we maybe didn't even have a red flag. So, yeah. um, you know, but sometimes you see it with the stock car classes. Yeah. It, you get stuck on a lap sometimes and cautions breed cautions they say and you know that was you know in this case red flags breed red flags but uh, they just couldn't seem to get going that night for whatever reason yeah it must have been a full moon or something for sure i think it was (laughs) um let's talk about we we've got some other things we can talk about here um let's talk about ashton tucker you know and sadly how do we, I don't even know how I want to approach this. I'll just say it. Sadly, you know, we, as in Speedway Miramichi locally, obviously does not have a, a pro stock division. Pro stock is the elite division in Atlantic Canada. Um, so it's unfortunate that, you know, Ashton cannot race at his local track, although he has raced here, you know, filling in in the modifieds and different things like that. Um, and it, I guess it makes me wonder, you know, could we host a pro stock, like a standalone pro stock race? Because that's what happened this year in, in 2020. Uh, the Maritime Pro Stock Tour basically did not run this year, but different tracks had standalone pro stock events that were very successful. Um, but, you know, maybe it's on Santa's wish list, you know, to do that, but it'd be nice to see something that locally for you know for ashton to compete brad silliker motorsports to compete at uh, their local track Uh, and i guess it just depends if uh, people would support it totally um you know i would love to see pro stocks too and i don't think i wouldn't say it's totally out of the realm of possibility in the future i think that discussion is definitely more open now than what it was you know, two years ago, maybe. And there's a couple of reasons for that. Obviously, we just had a great season, which Mm -hmm. helped out, you know, immensely at the track. And and there's still some things that, you know, if we can keep that up, there's still some things that we should do to, uh, you know, to be able to bring pro stocks back. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, the stardom and the fame that Ashton brings, I mean, I'm not saying he's NASCAR famous, we know, but regionally, the fan base that Brad Silica Motorsports and Ashton Tucker have built up, particularly in Miramichi. I know I've gone to some of the races at Petty and 660, and a big portion of the crowd that's there is from Miramichi, Mm -hmm. and they're cheering for Ashton. And I would like to think that if we brought a pro stock race to Miramichi, and Ashton is our star. Mm -hmm. He is our local driver. He is like he is probably the greatest driver to ever come out of Miramichi. I mean, I haven't been around forever, so I don't know all the drivers, but no other Miramichi drivers ever won one 250, let alone two. Yeah. Or, you know, you take he's won a pro stock championship now between the mini series at 660 and Petty. Like, it's yeah. just incredible what he's done. I would like to think that the fan base would come out and support it. Yeah. But ultimately, at this point, we're not in that position to take that risk because pro stocks, you know, to draw the big cars, it's, it's, costly you're probably looking at it still to get a field of 20 cars you probably need a twenty thousand dollar purse and that you need a lot of people to come through the gate and jason tried a lot of different things when he ran the track yeah and nothing totally panned out Mm -hmm. um 
it would be if we had a sponsor that could give some more stability for a pro stock race i think we we would definitely make it happen yeah. same with the sportsman class you know mm-hmm. right now there's one pro stock and one sportsman race ready in miramichi and the sportsman being brady creamers um you know there's a lot of old chassis but those chassis are so outdated now that you'll yeah. probably never see them in a sportsman race again maybe in street stock with yeah. the way that class has evolved but you know at the end of the day to have either of those late model classes would be in, you know that's the ultimate goal that came up at the um i might say this name wrong because i i spelled or i put it wrong in a press release recently but i think it's like the the short track summit or stock car summit i'm not yeah. sure which one it is but yeah. that tim terry hosted with the st louis bar and grill um that came up there that we are the only track mm-hmm. in the only paved asphalt oval in Atlantic Canada that does not have some form of late model racing. Yeah. But, you know, we take pride in that. You know, yeah. it's grassroots racing. That's what we push. And that's absolutely that's where you get the hometown guys in. Yeah. Miramichi, most people can't afford the pro soccer sportsman class anymore. Exactly. So you have to evolve and adapt to what works for you. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, you, pro stocks and sportsmen are the ultimate goal for any track. Yeah. And to host a bigger race is, is that's the dream and i don't think it's out of the realm of possibility i love to see it happen um i can only imagine you know you go to petty or 660 and the cheers for ashton are huge i can only imagine if he was to win a big pro stock race in miramichi yeah the party and the atmosphere and the electricity that would be in the air mm. like that would be something special to to be a part of yeah um and hopefully we do get to see that soon sooner rather than later uh but sponsorship would definitely the help that, yeah. that's the big key and that's it it's 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 the most prestigious uh division in Atlanta, canada and to go with that needs some money needs the money yeah. absolutely and just in case somebody you know where if there's somebody listening that just does not understand 2020 for most people has been awful yep 2020 for ashton tucker and brad Silicker motorsports has been phenomenal um let me see now what was it? Four wins? Four wins and four second place finishes in right. nine races. That's it, yeah. And every single race that they were a part of was a big major event. Yeah. You know, they won the Remax 250 at Speedway 660 for the second year in a row. Yeah. Nobody had ever won that race two years in a row in the 20 year history. And mm-hmm. you're talking Sean Tucker, Cassius Clark, Johnny Clark, yeah. um, Lonnie Somerville. None of them could win it back to back. Yeah. Um, and then you talk, he won the best of the best 150 at Speedway 660. He won the Bubble Buster 150 at Petty. That was a 25 car field that night. Yeah. He won the, uh, he won the season opener at 660, a hundred lap race. And then he was you know, runner up at the Mike Stevens 200, a race, which they want to win so bad. They've yeah. been so close. Um, runner up at the Jim Hollihan 250 at Scotia. Ashton had never been to Scotia in a pro stock. He had run it in Bandolero, but in the Bandoleros, they kind of run a different line there. They have a particular Bandolero track they kind of focus on. Mm-hmm. So, and I don't know if they ran that at the time, but you know, it's such a huge difference. You know, he jumped into a pro stock and he immediately, you know, led laps and finished second. Woulda, shoulda, coulda won the Riverglade International at Petty. He was, you know, got the lead with five laps to go, and then you know, he 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 says he. I missed the turn and, and then I got the bump and run and then he <laughs> fell back to second, just ran out of time to get the lead back from Jonathan Hicken and then second at the first bubble buster. Yeah. It was, you don't see a season like that from typically no. anybody like no. to have 
going into their last race where, uh, you know, Riverside didn't quite go as well for them, but you take after that many races, a bit of fatigue starts to set in. Sure. But uh, going into their last race, their average finish over eight events was 1.5. Yeah. That's that's unreal. unheard of. <laughs> that's unreal. So. Yeah. So just a phenomenal season for uh, for Ashton Tucker and Brad Selicker. And when you think of it, this is a small team. It sure is. You know, going up against some big names. Uh, yeah, they just unreal. Just unreal. I don't think people realize just how small of a team this is. Like, you know, people always say money wins races, but this is not that case. No. You know, they work for everything that they get. Yeah. And they've worked to build their team up from, from you know, they basically, you know, Brad started, you know, just an old pro stock and mm-hmm. built his team up. You know, Ashton worked with his father to yeah. build up. And then uh, in 2018, the teams came together and, you know, Ashton joined on with Brad Silicon Motorsports and what they've done in such a short time is incredible. And I mean, it didn't start out great for them that that first year, which was only, you know, three seasons ago, mm-hmm. they, they did not qualify for the IWK 250. They probably should have, but yeah. well, that's a discussion that for another day, <laughs> um, you know, had a car that probably could have won, won the 250 in Fredericton. Mm-hmm. You know, we could be talking about a three time 250 winner, but uh, you know, the unfortunate incident at the restart, ended their night there and then another engine failure and just overall was a tough start but you know tough times don't last tough people do look where they are now they are they're on top absolutely it should be interesting to see what happens with them in uh, in 2021 um let's talk oh yeah let's why not let's talk modifieds um the modified tour uh ran a few races at speedway miramichi uh in late 2019, the drivers uh, voted uh, on the sealed engine uh, package and, in my opinion, uh, produced competitive racing, probably the most competitive racing the Tour has seen in a long, long time. And uh, probably up until the last race at Speedway, Miramichi, um for the most part was, you know, good, clean racing. No, you know, no big uh, carnage. Um, but yeah, like everybody seemed to be within a straightaway of, of uh, each other. Um, you know, nobody with big engines running over people with smaller engines. So to me, it seemed like a great season. It sure was. And, you know, you talk the modifieds and they kind of got started late, but they were the only touring series to really run any significant amount of races and to run for points this year Mm -hmm. and the steeled engine package sure did seem to make a difference i mean we're talking a series that was already competitive yeah 2018 i mean since if we're looking at the modified tour history since late 2017 that series has taken off with some incredible growth and it's particularly in the miramichi region yeah not solely you know there is some some growth outside but you know i think at the time there was two cars in miramichi and i think there's 10 now yeah um but starting at the end of 2017, 2018, they ran 12 races and had eight different winners. Mm-hmm. And then last year, 2019 was six. And now 2020, there was four different winners, but they only ran seven races. Yeah. Um, so it's been an incredibly competitive class. And like you said, I think the first heat race at Petty, they ran in a pack like it was Talladega. They were going and they were going three wide. Oh, yeah. I mean, that doesn't work at Petty and they know that, but yeah. uh, they still tried it. They were bumper to bumper hammering on the bumpers going three wide and i i couldn't believe that they didn't tear the entire field apart and like yeah. the big one yeah but uh somehow you know they kept it clean and 
um that was just a phenomenal race and then it just kept going from there and some really good racing and it really came down to the car setup and driver like there was yeah. no one that was going out there and pulling away with power or, or you know there was no one going out there and dominating on new tires or anything like that which yeah you know that those have been issues in the past but yes they've worked over the last couple of years to kind of rid the tour of that and then this year was finally you know when the whole package came together with the sealed engine deal mm -hmm. and uh, it really made for some incredible racing and that's such a fun class it's so yeah. it's affordable exactly it's, it's affordable and fast yeah and it's it's probably the last v8 division in atlantic canada that you could be a mechanic with some guys helping you and you can go racing where if you were, you know, if you had a pro stock, if you had a sportsman or even, even, a, even a street stock in some uh, situations that, um, you know, like you, you need some experience, you need some money behind those with a modified division. Uh, you know, you're running on used tires, you're, um, you know, it's a three Oh five, like we said, sealed engine. Um, so it's, it's probably the last division that somebody with, you know, some mechanical experience, hands-on experience that they can actually go race. Exactly. And it's that's probably why it's been so attractive, uh, particularly to drivers in Miramichi. And a lot of the drivers that have gotten behind the wheel, you look at, you know, maybe the big three, you might want us to call them, you know, Kim Hollihan, Zine Dutcher, and Eve McRae. Those are three of the greatest sportsman drivers to ever come at a Miramichi. And they're yeah. all in this modified class. You know, Eve won the championship this year and yeah. he's won a bunch of races. But, you know, those are the guys that, that's what this tour is about. It's basically the working man's class. Yeah. And, you know, I've heard some some people say in the past, you know, the way for a couple of years that the tour kind of had its branding or its label would probably be the best way to put it. It was almost labeled as like a beer league. People, you know, they were showing up. Sometimes they had some staff. There was a couple of years they, they struggled with staff. And, yeah. you know, for a couple of years, it almost turned into almost like an outlaw class. Yeah. Um, but the last couple of years, they've really tried to turn the page. Mm -hmm. You know, they had some serious tech they've made some yep. wise decisions with the rules and i mean all of the decisions that they made they're really trying to limit the cost yeah and that's still what it is and they don't make any changes that they don't feel are necessary and that's you know that comes with the fact that there's a driver vote for it the drivers get to vote on the rule changes yeah. um you know going into 2021 they they are switching to the 1070 tire which you know it it's that's almost a necessary evil mm -hmm. uh given the circumstances with the tire that they primarily run the uh p tire that the past tour runs in, in new england yeah. you know they can't get across the border to get those yeah so it's almost that that was a necessary evil but you know and the other token having the 1070 that's the tire that is run locally so in theory it'll be easier for guys to go out and get them yeah um you know before the only way they got the past tire was if Joe Hoyt or, or Sparky Rayburn or Doug Natchett or someone like that hauled down to the States and, and came home with a trailer load of tires. So yeah. now they can go, you know, knock on Brad Silliker's door or, or go down to Dave Oblinas or, or Sean Tucker or, or someone like that yeah. and say, you know, do you want to, you know, sell, sell some tires? Right. And there's even some people giving them away. Yeah. You know, so it's, uh, you know, it's not a huge change. Mm -hmm. And I think especially after this year where, there was not a whole lot of inventory for past tires. I think there's a couple guys that still have some left. Yeah. But, you know, at the end of the day, to keep things fair, it, it was probably the necessary move. Um, I would have personally liked to see them stay on, mm -hmm. on the P tire. But, you know, it, it is what it is. You have to adapt to the situation. And it doesn't look like the borders will be open anytime soon. No, so, uh, no. 
But overall, like that's a class that's it, it's phenomenal. Great racing. Yeah. Affordable, like we said. And, yeah. and I really think that it has the potential to get back to what it used to be with 15 to 20 cars plus. Yeah, exactly. And I and I think because they the drivers want to focus on the, um, you know, uh, cost savings, uh, you know, way, ways to, uh, you know, you use the used tires, uh, stay with the sealed engine, you know, basically, I look at it this way, uh, because there was talk about crate engines. And if you can afford a crate engine, you can afford to get somebody to build your engine. If you can build your own engine, but you can't afford a crate engine, then you can't race. So I think the uh, there was you know discussion about a crate engine that has gone away. Uh, they're sticking with the sealed engine package. Um, so by doing this, it's it allows people that can afford to build their own engines to to compete. That is a big thing, and you know that's uh, there's some differing opinions per se mm-hmm. on on the that crate engine deal, and you know I do see both sides of it. You know, we said it's a working man's division. Like you said, the mechanics go out and do it. But, you know, less and less of the next generation that's coming up know how to... They're they're less and less mechanically inclined. Um, So, you know, I do see that aspect of it where maybe having the crate would be an advantage to attract them. Um, My understanding, though, off the dyno sheets is there is is a power advantage to the crate, in in which case there would have to be some sort of weight penalty if they want to run both engines. I, I think that in the future that maybe does have a place, but right now is not probably not the time. Yeah. Um, you know, and like you said, the 305, I, th- I think what a lot of people have struggled to understand that are, is that the guys in this tour, like you said, they're mechanics, mm-hmm. they can build their own 305 way cheaper than they can go yeah. buy a, a crate. And that's what, that's what they want to keep. And yeah. that's why it's affordable to them. Yeah. You know, and you see with the street stocks, part of the reason the costs, you know, it's going up, the two biggest things that you look at your engine and the other thing is the tires and to be competitive in street stock, you need brand new yeah. tires. The eight nineties, yeah. they run about <clears throat> just shy of 200 bucks a tire. So you're yeah. looking at just shy of 800 bucks for a set of tires to go yeah. race on any given night. And that street stock was just like the modifieds as a working men's class, but yeah. it's kind of gotten away from that. It's yeah. getting, you know, the costs are getting higher and higher and at the summit that uh, Tim hosted a couple weeks ago, that was that was a discussion. Like, that's the biggest complaint about the street stock class is mm-hmm. particularly the tires and the cost. Yeah. So you know that's something that we got to look at, and you know I don't know what it's going to take. No one wants to spend money to go slower, or, right. or essentially not every change is going to make the car slower, but mm-hmm. to make it more affordable, chances are that's what it's going to take. Yeah. So it's trying to sell that to the drivers. It's a really really tough situation, but. When you look at the success of the modifieds and the growth it's seeing, you look at the success of what the bomber class has done in Miramichi, there's no doubt if we can cut the costs of racing, we're going to see growth, and that can only be positive. Absolutely. it's And, you know, like you said, the bomber division is a great example of that. Yep. And the more people that you can get into racing that is affordable, the more car counts you're going to have. Uh, sure, everybody would love to be able to run a pro stock or a sportsman, uh, but if you can't afford it, you can't afford it. Exactly. That's the end of the day. You have to work with what your budget is. And I mean, mm-hmm. if you really want to, go out and try to impress some sponsors. Maybe they'll give you the yeah. money. But at the end of the day, 
you, you have to run with what you can afford to run with. Yeah. And slowly, well, maybe not slowly, but we're seeing that that budget that the average person has is not being enough to even run in the street stock class yeah. anymore. And it's really discouraging to see. And, uh, you know, hopefully we can get that straightened out. Like there was a time where most tracks would have 20, 25 plus street stocks on any given night. And, yeah. you know, now it's, we don't see that very often anymore. It's, you know, and I always think back on this is like, okay, do we, you know, we've got pro stocks, we've got sportsmen, we've got street stock. Is there room for all three? You know, that's the question. And that's that's definitely a good question to be asking. Because if you look back at the 80s and early 90s, when, you know, arguably racing was at its heyday in, in yeah. New Brunswick, and definitely like stock car racing itself was at its heyday in Miramichi, you only had one or two classes at a track. You would have your sportsman and then you'd have your, your street stalker dukes. Um, pro stock was strictly with the mass car series and they yes. would tour around and, and make a stop or two at most tracks. Mm-hmm. But uh, you look now, you go to some tracks some days and there's eight, nine, ten divisions. And it's like, oh, we have a hundred cars in the pits. Well, okay, that sounds great, but yeah. there's ten divisions. So you have ten, ten car races. A couple of years ago, I went to the IWK 250 and they had 94 cars over the weekend but there was only three classes yeah so you have roughly 30 ish cars per class and that's a lot more exciting yes and uh you know for especially for the fans fans want to see good racing yeah and i mean yeah sure we've all seen good five or six car races yeah but it's a rarity compared to when you have the more cars you have even if someone is out dominating you're probably going to have a fun battle to watch somewhere. Yeah. And that's what fans need to see is to come back. They want to watch something. They're paying to get yes. entertained. And having cars run single file, you know, five car lengths apart, no competition, it's not what they want to see. And it's it's not fun for the announcer either because it's <laughs> like, uh, okay, what do I talk about now? Yep. But uh, yeah, so it's, it's interesting times as we uh, move into uh, 2021. You mentioned the, uh, the summit. We'll yes. just call it the summit for now. Um, anything, and I have no knowledge of what came out of that, and I don't know what you can share, um, but what is there anything that came out of that that is encouraging for the 2021 season? Um, well, I mean, the biggest thing is tracks working together, and that's really what has been pushed and what has been expected. And I always have been referencing lately, I read or shouldn't say read, watched a video of down in New Hampshire, there was a couple tracks where, you know, a group of three or four people owned four or five tracks and they came together and said, look, why are all our divisions on different rules? Yeah. Let's put everyone in the same rules. And initially there's, there is a bit of backlash because people don't want to change their cars. Everyone thinks that what they have should be the model and yeah. everyone should conform to that. Yeah. But then once they got over that initial, that, that initial hurdle of making everyone be on the same page, they started to see growth because people would travel. Yes. Um, and essentially, that's what we want to see here. Um, but there's another side that I think is being overlooked. Yes, I totally agree that tracks should be working together. And you know what Petty and 660 have done, Petty Raceway in Riverglades, Speedway 660 in Gary, by running alternate weekends has been huge and has definitely helped both of them. Um, but then you get into where do... Where does Miramichi fit in? Yes. Where does PEI fit in? Yeah. At the end of the day, there's only so many weekends. Yeah. So we can't, you know, tracks can't afford to run every third weekend so yeah. that everyone has their own weekend. Um, in my opinion, you know, we should be working together 
especially around big events. Yeah. You know, the big events are the big draw. That's where a lot of tracks make most of their money. And that's all the drivers want to run those big races. Mm-hmm. If anyone's coming up to race Miramichi, chances are, especially in the street stock class or even the mini stock class, they're coming up for our fall shootout. Mm-hmm. You see a couple come up earlier in the year to test, but yeah. most of them, they circle that date on the calendar. This is my trip to Miramichi. Yeah. But at the end of the day, we shouldn't be getting into a position where one track's success depends on whether another track is running or not. For a regular show, you know, there should be enough cars that every track cannot put on their own show without having to worry about who else is running. Yeah. And I think that's really what's being overlooked is instead of trying to grow the car counts, I feel like everyone's trying to share them maybe more so than grow. Yeah. You know, back in the day, every track, you know, you look back at the 80s and, you know, it always comes back to that. I think the late 80s, the only tracks that were really running were in New Brunswick was Miramichi and Riverglade, maybe like Hammond River or something in the St. John area. But Miramichi would run Saturday. And Riverglade would run Sunday. Yeah, both tracks had enough cars to run their own show, but they were working together. Yep. And uh, you know, a lot of cars came up from Riverglade to Miramichi, and a lot would travel down to Riverglade, uh, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. You know, people don't want to race that much anymore. That those days are gone. Yeah, but you know, we're looking at who has cars, and most areas are down to like ten to twelve street stock. Yeah, you know, eight ten sportsmen. Yeah. We need to grow those car counts to the point where, regardless of what else is going on in the Maritimes or, or in any other region, every track can have their own show. Yeah. And I mean, still work together as much as possible. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, like I said, there's only so many weekends. We have a short summer yes. and a short prime season. And you know we all have to share it. Yeah. But you know, like I said, one track success shouldn't depend on whether another track is running. There yeah. should be enough fans and enough cars to go around, but we're not in that position anymore. And... That's, you know, that's the question. Where have the drivers all gone? You know, you look at Petty seen tremendous success this year, but part of the reason they seen so much success was because they were getting cars from PEI in Nova Scotia right. who weren't permitted to open up their racetracks. And, and, you know, they should be getting that many cars on a regular basis. Yeah, it's When the other tracks are running, it's probably not going to happen because they're going to stick close to home. Mm-hmm. So what do we need to do to grow those car counts? Like 660 used to have... 20 to 30 cars and street stock and sportsmen, you know, where are those cars gone? What's it going to take to get those cars back? And I think a big thing is the cost, like we said. Um, But we, you know, and what's it going to take? Is it going to take a reset? Like, you know, you look at the bomber class and what a reset that has been for our track and the growth we've seen. And and that will eventually filter up, but only if it's affordable for them to do it. If it's too big of a jump, they're not going to be able to do it. So yeah. we need to really sit down and look at what we're doing. And, you know, on paper, having, you know, Petty had tremendous car counts this year, but they're not Petty's cars. And that's not going to be that way forever. Yeah. And especially if you look at fans are showing up and seeing those car counts and they come back and maybe in two years time, yeah. if that's when things are normal or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there's only 10, 15 cars and the car counts are, you know, significantly lower they're going to wonder what happened yeah so i don't know what it's going to take but we really need to grow the car counts in every region Mm -hmm. you know sharing can only go so far because there's only if there's only so many cars there's only so many weekends and at the end of the day it's a business and tracks need to make money yeah so um but there is the fact 
that there's communication between the tracks. It wasn't that long ago the tracks weren't talking to each other hardly. So there is a lot of positives. Um, But the biggest thing is we need, we definitely need to grow car counts more. And we're, you know, we're doing a pretty decent job, I think, in Miramichi. Yeah. But overall, I'm, when you see some of the cars that are going up for sale and seeing the car counts drop, it is worrisome. Interesting points, Denver. Um, I agree 100% with the uh, the sharing because, uh, like you say, it's it's if a track relies on other tracks' cars to put on a show, uh, you can do that for so long. Mm-hmm. Can't do it forever. Nope. There's no. only so many weekends, and yeah. uh, you know, and I think you you see so, like a couple years ago, we only had 660 running technically weekly in New Brunswick. Petty slowly got up to the point where uh, I think they're running close to 10 weekends now. Mm-hmm. Um, and Center for Speed and Shediac is, is planning on running, I think they said at the summit, 10 to 12 weekends. So that's a lot of races. Yeah, And uh, I, I am personally worried we don't have the cars to support that many races. I yeah. hope I'm wrong. And I hope we can see that growth. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe... It's going to take looking at your, your lower level classes and your more affordable ones and really pushing that grassroots aspect. Yeah. Um, another thing, like there's with the Petty and 660 doing their Pro Stock Series again, well, there's four races there. There's 12 Maritime Pro Stock Tour races scheduled. That's a lot of Pro Stock races. Like, over, I just, I'm worried that we're going to saturate things to the point where it's not as successful as what we should be. Yeah. Like that, you can oversaturate things. We you know we're a small area. There's between New Brunswick, PEI, and Nova Scotia. There's probably in the realm of 1.8, 2 million people, and we have nine asphalt tracks. So you know, we really have to work with what we got, but not oversaturate, but also grow mm-hmm. it locally. Because um, at the end of the day, like if you don't have the local car counts, the cars are only going to travel so often. Yeah. So yeah. No, good points. Uh, I'm talking with uh, Denver Matchett. He uh, looks after uh, PR for uh, Speedway Miramichi, in addition to the uh, being the track flagman. Um, how long you've been doing that for a few years now? This 2020 was my third full year flagging. Mm-hmm. Um, my first official race, well, I was I was the assistant, I guess, was uh, the first Street Stock 100 we did, and I still blame you, John. Um, <laughs> Barry had actually asked me in 2016 to uh flag and i was sitting down at petty one night i remember barry coming up and he only owned the track for like a year so i didn't know him real well he comes up and yeah. sits next to me and we start talking he points up to craig weagle and says do you think you could do what he's doing and i was like oh probably <laughs> um he's like all right do you want to, would you be interested and i said i for me at the time i'm 16 years old <laughs> um the big thing is the demos and yeah. i wasn't a huge fan of the demos yeah. and not only that but it's pretty intimidating when you see cars out there trying to wreck each other and yeah. flying through the air and whatnot. So I essentially said, like, no, I, I just I couldn't do it. Yeah. But when you kickstarted the effort to bring that Street Stock 100, you know, he asked me again. And I'm like, well, we need some. I, you know, my worry, I don't I think at the time he didn't have a flag, man. And I was like, who is going to be up there? And I, I, yeah. I had watched and listened to the radios and watched the officials at petty 660 like anywhere i've went so i had a half a clue of what what they did right and and what worked and i'm like well i have no idea who else is going to do it and i didn't want someone you know doing the job 
that was going to give a bad impression when our track had a huge opportunity to have a big race, bigger than I had ever seen in my life. Yeah. So I still blame you. <laughs> ever since that day, you know, after you know we, we worked with the mini cup series, I said I'm, I did my time as an official. I'm done. Yeah. I want to you know go to the track and enjoy and learn and eventually get my own car. And now here I am. Uh, but uh, it's definitely been it's been a challenge. It's been a wild couple of years. But I think seeing what we did this year was phenomenal and Mm -hmm. over time the demos did grow on me you know you kind of learn to uh embrace it and enjoy it it's a huge part of our our show and that's at the end of the day it's an entertainment business um so it's all about the show um and as you get to know some of the demo drivers you know they're they're I'll come out and say it. They're pretty crazy for the most part, but uh, <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's all in fun, yeah. and you know, you just learn to you know you ha- you can either hate it and be miserable going to the track with it, or you can learn to enjoy it. Um, you know, hate being going to the track and for a couple of years. I you know I had a lot of times at the track where it, it was it was a struggle. I maybe didn't enjoy things so much. You know, I was gave myself maybe more headaches, and a lot of it was self inflicted, like you know, things don't go right or, or, you know, and then there's a lot of things that are out of control that happen too. And yeah. it, it, and when you're going through like, like sp- when you're getting uh, names out of cars and they're coming up behind you. Oh yes. Yeah. Yes. Getting run over by cars <laughs> in the powder puff race. But uh, at the end of the day, you know, you just got to enjoy it. And when you, when everyone is enjoying it, it reflects on everyone else and it reflects on the crowd and that in October this year that's really when that came full circle for me go you know, there was some some bs going on uh heading into our 100 lap street stock race and the last couple of years there had been similar not similar but there had been situations arise leading up to that race which by the time the race hit you're so frustrated and stressed out you just yeah. want to be done yeah, yeah. And, and midweek that week you know Barry Richard and Doug Matchett and myself, we're, you know, we're all pretty worked up. And, you know, we said, listen, worry about our own show. Mm-hmm. Focus on making it a fun day so everyone that shows up has the best day of possible. And you know, we went in with that attitude and it really yeah. paid off. Yeah. And I think we all were able to enjoy it more so. This was the first year that I truly, truly enjoyed that fall race and appreciated what a special event it's, has been created at our home mm-hmm. track. And there was nothing but positive reviews and all the drivers loved it. And, you know, that's what you like to see. You know, yeah. you want to be welcoming and you want them to come and have fun because that's what brings them back. They don't want to go somewhere and, you know, be constantly raked and ha- see everyone all worked up and miserable. And Exactly. So uh, that was really such a, a positive day. And mm-hmm. the whole summer was positive. But that's really when things, I feel like for me, my perspective changed and that change in perspective has really allowed me to kind of enjoy things more. And, you know, we're seeing with the success we're seeing, it makes it a lot easier though. Well, you know, I do have to say that, uh, you know, for the local racetrack, Speedway Miramichi, uh, when, uh, interesting that Barry would come up to you at, at Petty to see if you'd be interested in, in, uh, being the flagman, but you know, when people go to the track, they see you on the flag stand, but they yeah. don't realize that the website work, 
the statistics, the promotion on social media and, and different things like that. That's, you know, you're, you're involved with that and you put a lot of uh, hard work into a lot of aspects of the track. And uh, it's, um, you know, it's nice to hear that, uh, you know, your thoughts about going into that, uh, that fall race and, and uh, being positive. And it's kind of a nice way to maybe cap this off about, you know, 2020 was like we said before, uh, just, a you know, everybody's saying they can't wait for it to end, but at the same time, there's been a lot of success and, uh, people that have been able to, uh, swing it around and take advantage of, um, you know, the situation, look at the positive, bring the positive out. And that's what you and Barry and Doug have uh, done at the track and, and made it a great season. So it's, it's been great to have you on, on this uh, podcast and uh, talking about the year uh, 2020. And uh, we look forward to 2021. Absolutely. 2021 is going to be great. It definitely takes a team. And you know, having Doug this year was huge. And he just got a, a big award the yes. other week. Um, but that team, there's so many people at the track and you yourself. We were so fortunate to be able to have you uh, on the mic this year. And every time you do, you do a great job. And really hoping we get to see you on the mic more. And, uh, you know, you do a great job and, uh, you know, like Mike Joy, Dave Moody, John O'Shea, <laughs> but you know, there's a lot of people at the track that put in a lot of work and, yeah. you know, Annie in the canteen. Absolutely. She, she keeps that going and yeah. Eldon in the tech shed and, yeah. you know, Brandon helping with the lineups this year and yeah. the cleanup crew is always there and yeah. Adam and Albert do a phenomenal job scoring. I mean, they, they get faced with so oh, much. Geez. And, yeah. you know, they're even even when, you know, there's 60 cars on the track, it's, you know, most people would be up there probably on the verge of tears, stress. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they always have a smile on their face and, yeah. and they're, they enjoy it, too. And, you know, that's the biggest thing is I don't know if people realize when things go good, just how much fun the staff can have sometimes, you yeah. know. And, you know, sometimes it gets entertaining and, you know, drivers like to fight, but that's all <laughs> part of it. And it, you learn to uh, deal with that in different ways. And But, no, it's been... Uh, you know, 2020 was a phenomenal year, and I really hope we can see that continue into 2021 and beyond. Yeah. Uh, I hope, you know, we started a good thing this year, and I hope, you know, the Roaring Twenties at Speedway Miramichi, I hope racing's alive and well in northern New Brunswick, and uh, hopefully uh, we uh, see full, well, as full grandstands as we can see and even bigger car counts going forward. Yeah. Yeah, and just want to send out a tip of the hat to uh, Barry Richard, the track owner. Uh, you know, tremendous year for him uh, and uh, a year that he needed, really. And uh, so we look forward to uh, 2021. Uh, Denver, thanks a lot for uh, joining me in the bunker today. Awesome. Thanks for inviting me, John. And thanks for all you do. You know, you've done a lot over the years and not just on the mic photography and uh, Miramichi Racing Radio and now Drive On Podcast. I'm yep. glad that... Uh, I can be a part of it, and you know, hopefully, we can help grow the sport even more. Absolutely, we'll get you back again, and uh, so we get ready for the uh, 2021 season. Sounds like a plan. Thanks, John. And I uh, just remind you to uh, you know subscribe to Drive On Podcast, uh, whether you're on Spotify, uh, we're trying to get it on uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, Google, uh, so you can uh, check it out there and check out our Facebook page as well. Uh, just search for Drive On Media. I'm John O'Shea. Thanks for listening.